right, good morning everyone. September 1st, uh, this is travel day uh, for JR. Um, we, uh, we have departed um, on I-96 East, heading towards the Detroit area, although I'll exit at um, on 23 to go down, so exit 23 to Ann Arbor, and then just go south from there, towards heading towards Columbus. But, um, yeah, we're really excited. I mean, this is, today's the day. Uh, we got a long ways to go, um, and a short time to get there. Uh, I wonder if anybody picks up on that reference. Um, but no, we, uh, I mean, got a lot to talk about today. Uh, first off, we'll start, you know, like I say, we're here in Michigan, so we'll, we'll keep it relevant to what's going on in the state of Michigan and the, um, stuff like that, but I guess, you know, since went to the game, I mentioned, told everybody I went to the game last night, um, go ahead and start talking about that, Michigan State, my goodness, they uh, barely snuck by, and um, I mean barely snuck by, that's that's really what it was, they barely got by Utah State, Utah State Aggies, um, out of Logan, Utah, they, uh, Utah State, they came in and they came as prepared of a football team as I've seen in that kind of situation in a long, long time. Um, they were running the hurry-up offense, and that really, really struggled. Michigan State just on defense just struggled immensely because they would, you know, Utah State would show one thing. They would, they would kind of read what Michigan State's playing, whether it was man or zone coverage or what have you, and they would audible if they didn't like what they saw, and they were just able to do audible, like a quick quick slant, a little like a little outside zone, inside zone run, or even go over the top, because they were throwing down the field well, and their third down conversions, I don't have the statistics on hand, because due to the fact that I'm driving, but I do know, I mean, they it felt like they converted every single third down, third and long, third and short, you name it, and they got it. So they moved the ball pretty well, um, and they were able to put up 24 points on offense. Uh, the other seven were due to a pick six that Lewerke had, um, but and no credit to Utah State. They came well prepared, played an excellent game, and, and really at times they looked better than Michigan State. Um, I mentioned before they went six and seven. Um, last year. I think believe they played New Mexico State in the bowl game. So, you know, not a not a, a great program, but one you have to respect, and I don't think that the Michigan, Michigan State team didn't do a good job of. They did not respect that team. They did not plan accordingly. Um, and it's like they just seemed confused whenever Utah State would audible into something else. It's like they were just searching for answers, and they just couldn't make big plays in defense. Um, Lewerke had a nice game. I mean, he had a pick six. He had a fumble that was very odd. It looked like a forward pass because he was being held by his ankle. And it looked like he, you know, made the forward motion. It's like, how could you fumble the ball forward? Because um, he was being held by his ankle. And it looked like he just kind of, you know, made that forward motion. But evidently, uh, ref saw it was a fumble. So that was accounted for two turnovers there. Um, but for the most part, I think he completed like 22 to 24 passes out of 30, 31 attempts. So he was relatively accurate, um, I would say. And, and he uh, 
you know, played well. He scrambled. He was using his legs at times, which is good. Kind of gives him another dynamic. Um, but no, he, you know, he had a good, he had a decent game. I'd say for game one, give him a B, B, the lowercase. Um, offensive line looked kind of shaky at times, though. Utah State was getting pressure. That's another thing. Michigan State's defense did not get hardly any pressure on Utah State until like the last dying seconds of the game. They may have had one or one sack and hardly any like QB hits or rushes. I don't know how they categorize that, but um, but no, for Michigan State, they, they moving on. They they go Arizona State. And um, next week, so they got a long trip. It'll be a late game on the East Coast at 10.45 kickoff. Um, probably due to how hot it is still out there, so they'll have a night game for those boys. And, you know, I mean, after this game, it kind of makes you wonder um, how they'll travel out to Arizona State. Hopefully they'll be more prepared than they were tonight because it just did not, or last night, I should say, it did not look like they're quite there, um, not 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 in form, but uh, you know, hopefully uh, they'll continue to improve, and I'm sure they will. I don't. D'Antonio's a pretty good coach, that so he's good at making adjustments and, um, and improving on things that they did that they performed poorly on. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the Spartans last night they looked like a, a fringe, you know, Big Ten team right there. At, you know, eight and four, seven and five. I mean, they just—you play like that, you're not going to beat Ohio State. You're not going to beat um, Penn State or Michigan, for that matter. And you're going to struggle in games in like Purdue and Northwestern, especially Northwestern. They—they they, uh, won their first game on Thursday night against uh, per- Purdue or Perdult, as we like to joke and call them. Um, so yeah, moving on, Michigan State. They, you know. Work, they got their work's cut off for them. Um, plain and simple. I mean, it's still remarkable that they're a pretty young team. I think. I mean, they return every offensive starter except for one, which is their center, Brian Allen, who's now in the league. I think he was picked up by the ramp. I'm not sure if he made it through cuts or whatnot. But, um, but yeah, Michigan State. They've uh, got a tough test next week. I, I believe they can win it. Uh, I think it'll be around. I, I, like a 24 to 17 type game, hopefully. Um, so it's two West Coast teams in a row. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I'm not sure how Arizona State runs their offense. I know they got a new head coach, Herm Edwards. <laughs> yeah, um, you heard me right, Herm Edwards. That, that, that name probably ring a bell with those uh, NFL fans out there. Um, but. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you know, we're having a good drive so far. I mean, uh, luckily, all I have to do is just press a button, and it's hands-off from here on on, here on out. So it's not like, you know, for those of you worried, I'm not texting and driving or doing all that jazz. You just mash the button, lay the phone down, and start start blabbering. <laughs> um, but, no, I mentioned how that we would do a little fun fact um, about the state of Michigan, and I couldn't think of more of a relevant one to mention since we've been talking about Michigan State. And a little fun fact for everyone out there is that Michigan State was actually was founded in was, yeah 1855, okay, and they were the nation's first land grant 
Baptist-based university. And and from what I read last night, it served as a, as a prototype, as like the, as, as, it was kind of the, you know, like I said, it was a prototype. It was the, the, the kind of um, design that they wanted to see for these types of um, higher, this type of higher education. And it wasn't until around the Civil War era, um, the Morrill Act of 1862, signed by President Lincoln, um, it became the first ever land grant. So it was the it was the pioneer. It was the very first one of these types of of universities. So you think of land, you know, you think of Penn State, um, Utah State, and one another one right there that we played last night. Um, Clemson, I believe, is another one. Um, for those agricultural based and Michigan State is very very still has a high quality um, agriculture um, studies uh, it's kind of neat when I was going there uh, when you go out towards the golf course uh, which is forced acres east and west you got there and there's just a ton ton of land I mean there's you know uh, sod research facility dairy research facility um, a lot of hortic- horticulture studies um, quite frankly, kind of looking back on it, I, you know, maybe I should have gone down that track. I don't know. But those, uh, those days are behind us, so we can't look back on the past, so now we just got to move forward. Um, but, yes, yeah, so that was a little fun fact of, of Michigan. Uh, I'll bring you one about Ohio here in a little while, but we still got, I'd say, about an hour and a half till we get to the Ohio, maybe a little bit less than that until we get to the Ohio uh, state line in Ohio was about a five hour drive four and a half five hour drive from the very top which is around Toledo you had to go down all the way and you'll pass Athens which Ohio University is located and you'll keep going through there and enter into West Virginia so that just about concludes I would say this little podcast in regards with Michigan um, we'll bring you some more content as the day goes on but I can see the traffic's kind of um, got a little congestion here, so I think it's probably smart of smart of me um, to kind of sign off here and pay pay closer attention um, to the roads. Not that I'm not already, but um, so I'm going to do that, and then I will get back with you all here in a little while. So um, get you a little brunch, get you a little breakfast, walk the dog, do what you got to do, folks, because um, we will be back. We'll be back on the air here in a little while, so uh, we'll be talking with you soon. JR signing off for now. All right, so welcome back, folks. Uh, we've made it to Ohio, and I've started this podcast in probably my favorite small town in the entire country. Yes. Um, Arlington, Ohio. I don't know what there's. I can't really explain. You just have to come here and see it for yourself. You, you drive through. There's American flags everywhere. You know, it's just rural. You know, a lot of cornfields, soy, all that kind of stuff. Uh, their main street is truly a main street. There's no chain restaurants or anything. They got like a small town diner. You know, a local gas station. I mean, it is. An amazing place and I'm gonna tell you something right now there ain't no shame with the good folks down here in Arlington Ohio because they're just good hard-working Americans and that's that's what we're all about here on this show we you know blue-collar people I mean they work their you know what off so 
Uh, having said that, we're moving right along pretty well. Haven't encountered too many issues with traffic. Although, although I did get pulled over. Now, the reason why, evidently, speed limit went from 70 to 65, and I was going in the 75 to 80 range, and I got pulled over by an Ohio um, State Patrol officer, and uh, fortunately, he was, you know, I mean, he was, he was very nice, he was very respectful, and I was respectful back to him as well, told him what I was doing, told him where I was going. And uh, he says, well, here's the deal. I'll just write you. It was really, really close. Um, like you're speeding, you know, really, really close to like that threshold that they, that grace they kind of give you. So he just wrote me up for just a, a parking citation. Um, so it doesn't go on my record or nothing like that. So don't worry, dad, you're not going to be getting any insurance, you know, calls or anything, nothing, uh, you know, police reports, no, nothing like that. So no need to panic. Uh, we're going to keep on trucking and, uh, we're going to keep moving down to Darlington. And, and the funny part was, is that, uh, there's this joke kind of, I'll kind of share some of the, you know, little, I don't know. My, my roommate Evan likes to call them Johnisms because it's just a little stuff I say that, you know, I like saying it's a lot of them kind of inside jokes. So a lot of viewers probably wouldn't understand, but maybe if I kind of explain it to you, you'll kind of get a better understanding for it. So, a little, a little history in 2001, at the, no, excuse me, 2002 Daytona 500. Um, so Sterling Marlin, uh, he was up front and they're under a red flag on the racetrack, under a red flag on the racetrack. And he gets out of his car under a red flag, which you can't do that. That's against the rules of NASCAR. You can't under a red flag, you have to be stationary in your car. You can't get out and repairs can't be done as well um because basically the race is at a halt they're cleaning up the track after after a major wreck so sterling he gets out of his car and starts pulling on his on his fender and a nascar official flies that pace car door open and says sterling get back in your car you can't do that and then he gets black flags so he has to go to the back of the pack and and after the race good old sterling he you know he's just a good old boy from tennessee and he goes uh and he says, uh, well, you know, I seen Earnhardt do it at Richard one time. Uh, he got out and cleaned his windshield off, so I thought it was okay. And Sterling thought it was okay, but it wasn't. And um, so we, we kind of joke around, my buddies and I, we say, you know, and then, well, the video of them showing that, there's a uh, tribute video to, like, the top ten biggest bonehead moves in NASCAR. And, and one of the, one, I think it was, like, the top three or two or whatever, was, was that moment when Sterling got out of his car in the 500, and he says, um, you know, he says, well, I seen Earnhardt do it Richard one time. Got out and cleaned his windshield off. I thought it was okay. And then all the guys are commenting on it, and they're like, the one guy's like, well, Sterling, he tried to pull out the Earnhardt card. <laughs> um, so, you know, when that officer pulled me over, I tried myself to pull out the old Earnhardt card, but it didn't work. He said, oh, no, you can't do that. No, he didn't really say that, but he, um, you know, I was like, well, I'm going down to the Darlington race. I probably should save the speed there for the racetrack. And he kind of joked. And he was like, yeah. Yeah, I agree. You uh, you ought to, you ought to do that. And he's like, you know. And then it was, uh, you know, he let me go and uh, he said, "Have a safe trip and just make sure to just kind of be a little bit more conscientious of uh, the speed limit signs." And I says, "You know, yes, sir, absolutely." And that was the first time that I've ever been pulled over, and I've done this trip 
you know, six to eight times round trot. I, I can't remember what it is exactly. Um, so, yeah, so I tried to pull out the L. Earnhardt card for him, and, uh, you know, he says I can't do that, and, you know, well, that's un- understandable. Um, but moving on, um, I haven't really thought to, to much, um, really generally any, any specific topics while we're in Ohio. Um, we're heading down to Columbus, which is the capital um, of Ohio, and probably the former... Um, former residential areas, I'm probably past the former residential areas of current Fort Mill members, uh, Fort Mill uh, residents, because I, I, you know, it seems to me like Fort Mill has grown into a uh, large, large town, almost city, almost, with just full of people from this area, Ohio, Michigan, especially Pennsylvania, uh, New York's a big one, Illinois is another big one, a lot of, a lot of relocation going on people up here, and, and I don't see why, really, I don't see what the big issue is, you know, I mean, I, I like, I like it up here, I mean, Ohio, I mean, a lot of people from Michigan kind of give Ohio a hard time, you know, there's that kind of little rivalry there, but, I, you know, from my experience, I do not mind Ohio at all, I've been to, uh, been to Cincinnati before, been to Columbus, which Columbus is a very underrated city, I think, I mean, it's pretty clean, for the most part, um, I've been to Ohio State's campus now. While while I'm not definitely not a Buckeye fan by any means, I mean their campus is nice. Uh, Blue Jackets games are fun. There's a lot to do. It's a very thriving downtown area, from my experience. So I don't see why these people feel the the, the desperate need to you know to leave Ohio and you know and, and to talk bad about it. I mean it's a it's a fine state. I mean yeah, you know it, it the weather's kind of iffy and a lot of times it's cloudy it seems like and obviously the winters aren't the greatest but overall the summers are are really really nice they make up for the harsh winters um cleveland and i've been to cleveland as well and i mean yeah it has its rough parts like any other uh, place and i probably wouldn't necessarily like to live in cleveland but the surrounding areas are nice they have cedar point uh, amusement park which is actually they own carowinds um people down in South Carolina, they own Carowinds, and there's a lot of similarities um, between the parks, Uh, a lot of good rides too, I went to Cedar Point back in May, I'm not really that big into like theme or amusement parks or or what have you, but I had a good time, it was hot, there was a lot of people there, because on the Friday before, um, before Memorial Day, no, yeah, before Memorial Day, so Friday before Memorial Day, and it, um, you know, real busy time of the year, but I had to wait for, a, you know, probably the, because we got there around lunchtime, so we were waiting around, uh, for a couple of rides, but as the day progressed, uh, the lines kind of shortened, and we, uh, ended up having a good time with my co-workers, uh, Emily Gilmore, she was there, I mentioned her in the podcast, uh, the other day, she's out in Oklahoma now in the Army, and another co-worker of mine, uh, uh, Hannah Zach, she, I uh, work with her at, um, at Subway now, and, uh, so that was a good time, so really, you know, Ohio, it, it's a great place, it, I, yes, I said it, it, I, I enjoy Ohio, so people out there, comment, maybe, I'm sure you disagree with that, but that's okay, you can, do, you know, I have no issues there, um, you know, if, if I was to ever be relocated to Ohio, I wouldn't really hesitate, so shoot, put me in Arlington, 
call it a good day. But, uh, but yeah, moving moving forward, kind of driving through right now on Highway 68. 68, or probably I would say, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour and a half from the Columbus metropolitan area. So we still got a little ways to go. Um, but right now we've got, uh, say, let's see what the temperature's saying here. 80 degrees, okay, so a little bit warmer here than it was in Michigan. Uh, partly cloudy skies. Sound like a dang weatherman right now. But, uh, partly cloudy skies. Good driving weather. Haven't dealt with any, you know, uh, any rain or you know, anything like that. Showers, whatnot. Um, but we, uh... Oh, yeah, also, we were going to get to some fun facts in Ohio, and I was looking this up when I ended up stopping. Um, a little fun fact for you about Ohio. There were seven, according to the site, seven U.S. presidents that were born in Ohio, and some of those presidents include Ulysses S. Grant, Rutherford B. Hayes, James A. Garfield, Benjamin Harrison, Benjamin Harrison, which I do believe he didn't last very long. I, was it him or McKinley? And also William McKinley's from Ohio as well. So one of them died shortly into their their term. This around mid eighteen hundreds, I believe. I'll have to look that one up. I can't remember if it was Harrison or William McKinley. I want to say it's Harrison. Um, and also William H. Taft and old Warren G. Harding. So there you have it. Uh, seven. Mark that seven U.S. presidents that are from the state of Ohio. Um, let's see what else we got here. Okay, uh, here's a good one for you. Ohio gave America its first hot dog in the year 1900, the turn of the century. So, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with Ohio. Come on, people. You love your, you love your hot dog so much, you better, um, you know, you better appreciate Ohio for it. Um, let's see here. Okay, we now we already mentioned Columbus, the state capital, yada, yada, yada. Okay, uh, state flag is a pennant design. It's the only state flag that in the U.S. that has a pennant. So, you know, if you're into pennants, uh, there you have it. Um, let's see here. Okay, we all know Ohio is the Buckeye State. That's uh, kind of self-explanatory with the Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, what else do we got here? Okay, Jesse Owens. Um, I believe he was the, uh, the Olympic athlete, grew up in Cleveland. He won four gold medals, it says here, in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin. And if I'm not mistaken, that was the Olympics that um, was held in Nazi Germany. And a funny side note to that, there is an actress, I cannot remember her name, folks, and I apologize, but there is an actress in the movie The Fighting Kentuckians. She was a Czech-born actor. Well, she was actually a figure skater first. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because the story has it is that she, now I can't remember the name. That's that's my fault. But the story has it, legends told that when she was in she was in these Olympics as well um, in the 36 Olympics for figure skating. And legend has it is that she was had an encounter with Adolf Hitler and Hitler asked her if she would would skate for Nazi Germany. And she says uh, to Hitler, she says, uh, 
no, I would rather skate on the swastika or their logo or their their uh, insignia. And that did not please Hitler at all. I heard, I was reading that he was furious, uh, which makes sense. He kind of had the temper of a Roman Roman candle, so that would not. Um, but that that's real funny. She kind of stick stuck it to. Uh, to Hitler, so that uh, that's the reason why I brought off that little side note from that Jesse Owens uh, little factoid. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Um, Ohio is a leading producer of greenhouse and nursery plants. Okay, well, I'm sure. Um, the American Federation of Labor was founded in Columbus. I'm not sure. I'm guessing that's some sort of workers union alright uh, okay this one's for my buddy T-Well uh, Cincinnati had the first professional fire department okay that's interesting uh, Cincinnati Reds were the first professional baseball team in Ohio and the first ambulance service was established in Cincinnati so Cincinnati they must have been forward thinkers or a lot of people a lot of fires a lot of people uh, getting injured um, man they were for uh, public service, they were on the on the ball. Um, okay, Cleveland boasts America's first traffic light, and that began in August fifth of nineteen fourteen. So uh, there's no reason why Ohioans should be bad at driving because they're the first one on the traffic signals. So, uh, so yeah, there you have it. Um, that's pretty much the. I would say, oh, and Ohio has its home, Canton, Ohio is home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And while we're on the, the topic of sports, uh, this is actually the home of the Columbus Blue Jackets as well, and I've had experience to see a couple of Hurricanes games in Columbus, and as a matter of fact, I'll probably go in back down here in October, because I think with game two of 82 for the Hurricanes is in Columbus, so they'll play the home opener against the Islanders. I want to say the home against Islanders, and then they'll come here on that Friday, the fifth, October fifth, and play the Blue Jackets. And the Blue Jackets, I think, have the most unique tradition in the National Hockey League. They have for their goal horn. Um, well, after their goal horn, so Columbus scores a goal, and then they play the ACDC little soundbite. You know, for those about to rock, and then they fire off a cannon, an actual cannon that's in the lower concourse just out the very top of the seating bowls of the lower concourse and they actually have guys wearing union civil war um uniforms because uh, that's where the blue jacket that's where that logo name comes from that mascot the blue jacket was another term of a union soldier during the civil war so they have those guys there that kind of man uh the you know that man that cannon and every time they score, they fire it off, and it is loud. I mean, it is really stinking loud. I mean, it. <laughs> luckily, both times I've been there, the Hurricanes have won, so I haven't heard the cannon too much, but at least I kind of wanted to hear it just once, just to experience that. And I think both games they won. The first one they won 4-2, to two, and the second one was 3-1, to one, I believe. So it, you know, it was. It's kind of cool. I like that a lot. That's probably my favorite tradition in the entire NHL. Tampa has a good tradition where they actually have like this. It's like a kind of picture at those 
like a museum, like a static electricity ball, you know, that you can like put your hands on and your hair will stick up and all that. Imagine that, but it's upside down and there is no like globe, like, like glass globe around it. And it'll kind of shoot off like lightning, lightning bolts or little uh, bits of lightning. And that, that's really cool too. I like that a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of some other cool NHL traditions because I've been to Pittsburgh. They didn't really have much except they're very proud of their recent Stanley Cups, which I'm, you know, I guess rightfully so, but not a big Penguins guy. Not a big Penguins guy at all. Um, I've also seen games in Toronto. Toronto, when we went, Will Grantham and I, when we went, it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, 100th century game, or well, not century, well, their 100, uh, 100 year celebration, I believe it was, and, and they were doing a throwback to um, some of their old uh, sweaters, so there, like, there wasn't necessarily any type of like, entrance or, or in-game type thing that was, that was much of a um, tradition, I, I guess I would say, but it was a pretty cool throwback night. But all of the Hurricanes did end up losing pretty pretty bad. So that was unfortunate. Um, let's see. The Islanders, uh, their kind of tradition is like their goal, their goal after their goal horn, they all shout like, yes, yes, yes. And they did that in the Barclays Center um, as they did when they were over at Uniondale at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. So they kind of brought that tradition with them over there. Um, the Rangers... They, Madison Square Garden, uh, the world's famous arena, as they say. That was a very cool venue, um, although it was expensive to get in, so I'll probably be the last time that I will go to the uh, Madison Square Garden for a very long time. Um, like the tickets, I believe I paid about $225 for a lower bowl seating, which is probably, believe it or not, on the less expensive side of things um, because they're playing the Hurricanes. So imagine them playing the Islanders or like an original six team. That's when things can really get pricey. Um, I've also been to Ottawa. Ottawa is a very, very cool um, venue. It's kind of of interesting because it it, it reminds me of Carolina in the sense that it's not in like the downtown area. You actually have to drive about 20 minutes outside the city limits of Ottawa, Ontario. And when you do that, um, it kind of, it, it's very similar. It's like a huge parking lot, just a huge area, just designated for the Canadian Tire Center. And it's a smaller arena. It holds only holds about 16,000 people or so. And that was a good experience. The Hurricanes ended up winning that game. Um, they played very well and it was towards the end of the season so not, both the teams were already out of the playoffs so they were just kind of you know having at it nothing uh, there wasn't much pressure or anything that so it was kind of a quick game uh, a lot of speed was was, uh, was was showcased for that one um some other locations I've been to Joe Lewis uh when the Red Wings played there that was really cool been there four times five times one time, four for the Hurricanes games, one for uh, a random Arizona Coyotes game. But, I mean, that was probably the, the last grade of maybe besides Nassau. Like those are the last great 
arenas that just had like really really strong tradition um, I mean it just but you just felt like you're at a hockey game. I mean, there weren't any bells or whistles. I mean, this, it, that arena was specifically designed for hockey. Hockey first. And that was the number one priority. When they, when, like, when you look at the dimensions, it's almost perfect. And interestingly enough, the old Joe Lewis, they didn't have the modern like press boxes and stuff in the middle of the seating bowl. It's actually at the very, very top. So it's just one big bowl. Well, it was just one big bowl. And I, that's what I kind of liked. Well, I liked it. There wasn't really a, a, a bad seat in Joe Lewis. Now, I haven't been to the new Little Caesars Arena. I hear that that's state-of-the-art, which I'm, I would hope it is because the, the town and, and the Ilch has spent a lot of money on that. Um, so so that will be an interesting. I'll probably end up going some sometime this season. I can't remember when. I think, believe it, the Hurricanes play in January. Okay, so, and some other locations that I have been to. Oh, wow, look at this. I'm passing, I guess we must be hitting Amish country because I see a little horse and carriage sign to say beware of those guys. So we'll, uh, we'll be right mindful of, um, of our Amish friends. Um, yeah, I tell you what, if, if there's any, issue, any issues to the grid, they won't even know notice a difference. You know, they'll still be cooking on wood tops and, or wood stoves and, Living off the land, um, Amish, Amish country is where we are right now. Um, so that, you know, I could probably go on and on about uh, different NHL experiences. So I, I've seen, been fortunate, really, really fortunate to see a lot of good games, you know, in Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Tampa, both New York's, Ottawa, uh, Toronto, I don't know if I mentioned that. I've been to Los Angeles for a game. Although the Hurricanes weren't playing there, but I did see the Panthers play out in Los Angeles. Um, Minnesota is another one that I've seen. So a lot of a lot of good um, a lot of good NHL road action, and, and, and I just enjoy it. it. It is expensive, but if you do it right, uh, you can. Re- I mean, if you if you do it right, you can travel, and and I and I think that that's um, a big thing for me. I, I really, really, truly enjoy. Um, doing that, uh, you know, because I spend all my time working, and it um, it's it's nice to wind down, and when you're off, kind of make something of it, you know, travel, see what else is out there. And I recommend others do that as well. I mean, I, I'm not much of an international traveler, traveler like some people are, but I, you know, I like going to Canada a lot um, for hockey games, and I lived in Canada briefly in summer 2017. Um, but yes, yeah, so some of the places I've been, yeah, so Detroit, Tampa, New York, New York, Columbus, Buffalo, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Minnesota, Ottawa, and then Los Angeles for a neutral game were all the road locations that I've been to. So hopefully this year I can knock off Chicago is one I would like to go to. That's pretty close that I haven't been to yet. Chicago and then maybe go down to the Florida Panthers game in Fort Lauderdale in that area, Sunrise. So I told my mom that I would take her to a hurricane game. She's a very big Hurricanes fan. And she would like to see a road game herself. So I promised her that one of these days I would do that for her. So I think that would be a, um, a good thing to do. So, wow, that camp is 24 minutes has passed. Um, it's a good way to kill time on the road. 24 minutes has passed. Um, we are about an hour away from 
I would say, from, from Columbus, which puts me at, let's check it, the, uh, check it our radar here. Okay, radar saying we got about nine hours to Darlington. Okay, nine hours to 576 miles. Um, 576 miles. Okay, perfect. So, uh, I'll end off on that. I uh, don't want to keep, keep you guys hanging for too long. Uh, 25 minutes is more than enough time. So, having said that, um, that kind of wraps this Ohio and Ohioan. Ohioan. I don't know if that's the correct terminology for these good people of Ohio. They need to stop moving to Fort Mill, though. Got that? No more moving to Fort Mill, people. I've had enough. Okay? That's it. Ohio's a great place, so just don't, I mean, you know, stay here, please. Um... So, anyways, this is John Neal, JR, signing off, and I will see you guys in, okay, we got West Virginia coming up. All right, perfect. We'll get some good material for you in West Virginia, have a nice little discussion. Um, coal, 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 coal country. So, we'll, uh, it's JR Neal, signing off, and I will see you in West Virginia. All right, welcome back. Uh, we've made it to West Virginia. I just stopped at a 7-Eleven in Charleston right next to the state capitol um so that's usually fuel mileage that drops me if i fill up in east lansing it will force me to stop in charleston and uh, once again it seemed to be the same thing i uh, ended up stopping there filling up some gas getting a little snack to go i uh, wasn't there for more than <clears throat> five minutes or so i uh, did a little stretching uh, took a bathroom break the essentials um, for a long road trip. So now we are back on 77. That's a that's a good sign that we're getting back uh, closer to the Carolinas. Uh, 77 goes right through Charlotte, and it'll go through, go on, and it ends in Columbia. And actually begins up in Cleveland. Um, but on this particular route, from coming from East Lansing, you you kind of <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you hook you hook back on it once you get in the West Virginia, where it where it kind of merges back. And so now, um, we're, looks like the, the radar is saying we got about five and a half hours, um, 350 miles left. So I believe last time we talked, it was, we were in the like 580 miles to go. Um, so we made some good progress. Um, so far, everything, a little bit of uh, rain, maybe about 30 to 45 minutes ago. I had to turn the wipers on full blast, but that didn't last very long. So, but now we're back to probably cloudy skies. Um, looks like right now it's just uh, myself and some good old truckers on the road. Um, got some haulers up ahead. We'll be uh, passing them here shortly. And um, yeah, so now we are, like I say, we are in West Virginia. So, which means it's time for some West Virginia facts. Now, I mentioned it's kind of, it makes perfect sense. Um, I mentioned how West Virginia is a uh, big coal-producing state, and some statistics I found on that is that 15% of the United States' total coal production comes from West Virginia. So they, fortunately for them, um, they have been doing very well lately um, with coal production. So that's... Um, sure if some people around here in these parts are certainly happy about that but some other um 
fun facts about West Virginia is, and this one always kind of uh, has been interesting to me. It says, West Virginia is the only state in the Union to have acquired its sovereignty by proclamation of the United States. And, and I believe that dates back to the Civil War because Abraham Lincoln wanted to annex this territory and consider it um, part of the Union. And I believe that is how this land became a state. So it didn't probably go through the same processes um, that that any of the other states went through um, to get state statehood, I guess you call it stateship, whatever you want to call it, to, um, to get state status. Um, so this particular area was just annexed. And so it was basically, like I said, proclamation was proclaimed. Excuse me. Um, by uh, the president of the United States for that reason in the Civil War. So that is a very interesting stat, or, well, fact, um, not statistic, fact, that, uh, that that's how this state came about. So really, you know, it's a fake state. No, I'm just kidding. West Virginia. Um, here's what else it really they come. So <laughs> I like this one here. West Virginia is considered the southernmost northern state and the northernmost southern state. That is very true. Um, yeah, I just, when I was stopping at that 7-Eleven, I kind of ran into some people there, and, and that set, you know, you can definitely tell by their thick, heavy, uh, accent, um, that, you know, despite being, you know, further north, they sound more southern than most people do in South Carolina, but that's, uh, I like that a lot. Um, what else do we got here? So, uh, okay, here we go, um. Uh, world's largest sycamore tree is located in Back Fork of the Elk River in Webster Springs. I had to check that out sometime. Um, okay, the first state sales tax in the United States went into effect in West Virginia on July 1, 1921. Okay, uh, sales tax. That's, uh, everybody uh, knows about that when they're at the register. Um, okay, um, here we go. Uh, a little bit more Civil War action. The first major land battle fought between the Union and the Confederate soldiers in the Civil War. Battle of the uh, Philippi, Philippi, P H I L I P P I. Okay, on June 3, 1861. Okay, um, there you have it. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Okay, nearly 75% of West Virginia is covered by forest. I can definitely believe that. Uh, there's some very thick vegetation um, guarding the uh, highway here. Uh, you almost can't really see anything else, but there's big rock formations um, up on the right-hand side. And on the left-hand side here is um, a river, which, let me get the name of that. I can look on that here on my maps. Uh, it's not giving me anything. Come on down. Give me a river. Listeners out here want to know this kind of stuff. Um, well, I don't know why it's not telling me. Maybe it's the Ohio. I'm not sure. But there is a river. Um, it's running parallel to uh, the uh, highway here in West Virginia. So that is another, uh, some more stuff here for you. Okay, let's see. State sales tax already covered that. Um, what else we got here? Okay, West Virginia has a mean altitude 
of 1,500 feet given at the highest average altitude east of the Mississippi. So folks, bring your oxygen tanks up here. You'll, uh, you'll need it. Um, first suspension bridges in the world was completed in Wheeling. That's a little north of here. Uh, in November of 1849. Okay. In Wheeling, they actually are home of the Wheeling Nailers of the ECHL, East Coast Hockey League. So, uh, there's another little fact for you. Um, okay, let's see. Daniel Boone. Okay, here we go. Daniel Boone made his last survey of Charleston September 8, 1798. He left, the, they then left the state in 1799, said Daniel Boone. I like watching Daniel Boone uh, television show on uh, INSP. I love that channel. It's got some good, good quality stuff. Um, what else we got going on here? Let's see. The Christian Church was begun in West Virginia by Alexander Campbell and Bethany. Okay, can't forget about that. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, Chester Merriman of Romney was the youngest soldier of World War One, having enlisted at the age of 14. Okay. JR's Man Cave, and it's actually quite interesting because Brendan here gave me, I was taking suggestions for, for names, and Brendan was, was uh, his suggestion of JR's Man Cave was pretty much the, the first and only suggestion that I took from anybody else, and I was like, I, this is automatic, like, I gotta do this. So, very much introductory in that, from that standpoint, but hopefully, you know, have a good partnership between our two channels, the you on YouTube and then myself on on the airwaves podcast. So you know, I do have to tell the viewers we are live from Denny's. <laughs> yes, right here in Mooresville, North Kakalaki, uh, off of Highway 150. Um, many of you on the podcast already know that John traveled from Michigan to uh, 
to going to Darlington to see the NASCAR race with um, uh, Will Grantham and uh, other friends. Um, he's actually still on his way there, but he made sure to stop and see me, which I appreciate. And uh, we just ate a little bit, and now I'm going to get some dessert. <laughs> you know, but. Yeah, no, no shame with that. But yeah, since we're on the topic of racing, I mentioned to our followers that we would talk about your racing league, and I was watching the live broadcast at Talladega, and man, you were fighting. That was up a, there. That was awesome. That was a, really it was a, it was a tough ending, but still, that yeah. was that was impressive. Yeah, that 37 Chevrolet was pretty good that day. Uh, you know, we fought hard, worked really, you know, hard to get through the, the whole field. You know, I started, what, 17th, I think it was. Yeah, you practiced, your practice time was good. Yeah, practice time like was good. You like, top five in practice yep. speed. Yep, card drafted really well, and uh, it just, you know, it's Talladega, so you, you never know. Anything goes. Mm-hmm. It's like a flip of a quarter. Either it's going to be bad or good, and uh, yeah. we got the wrong end. Uh, one second. Yes, ma'am. May I please have um, the cake batter shake? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm good, thank okay. you though. Alright. Right. Take that shake. <laughs> a little Denny's uh Denny's hiatus there. Um, so yeah, we'll put that one behind us and you know, look forward to uh going back to Talladega in the Cup series uh for Hobo Racing League in uh October I believe it is. And we have the our upcoming race is the Darlington throwback on mm-hmm. Tuesday night, so it's good. We were supposed to race tomorrow, but we, we realized in our schedule that it was going to be at the same time as the cup race, so we're like, nope, let's yeah. cancel that. Yeah, that was, so, that, was a good, that was a good planning. And yeah. it's pretty. It's going to be pretty awesome because you guys are going to have some paint schemes. That, exactly. Some throwback paint schemes. Um, so that will be pretty sweet. I mean, I saw you, you kind of showed me the template of some of them. There's like the old Jeff Gordon, the Rainbow yep, Warrior Rainbow car. Warriors. It was like a 1950s like modified throwback. Was that one I yeah, saw? Yeah. The beat the Bino, uh, Rubino, uh, <laughs> the Rubino brothers are going to be driving their old uh, Danny. Yeah, Danny Rubino Danny, and Steve. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be driving their um, father's like old throwback from when he used to race at Wall mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Um, let's see, Tango has the um, the Rainbow Warriors paint scheme. Uh, I I had some made for um, other drivers. Uh, there's going to be a Richard Petty paint scheme, a Eric Almarola. Air Force paint scheme from 2008, I think it is. I don't remember. That was like his first couple of years. I mean, he had been right around rookie. But I don't know. That that time, or is it? Whenever he was in the uh, 43 Air Force okay. car, because that's when it was. That's the car it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I have the pleasure of racing my favorite paint scheme, uh, which is the 1995 Thunderbat that Bill Elliott drove that's for awesome. McDonald's. So that really is awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, that'll be a sweet ride. I just wish old Batman could come out and see the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if only. But no, that will be an exciting race. And that is when? Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. This Tuesday night at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And it is brought, being broadcasted live on Full Velocity. Yep, Full Velocity, Full Velocity. TV will be on. Uh, I will put the link to that race in my description of the video. And if um, you know, if you visit Brendan the Gent on YouTube, you can find it and stuff uh, from there. Um I'm really excited about it. Actually, I've been practicing nonstop for this Tuesday race, and uh, yeah, oh, the car's running good. It's a little loose coming off of uh, 
off of four, but I mean, not too bad. I just got to control it a little well, bit more. Well, see, at, at, Dar- at Darlington, it's it's complete turns one and two handle a lot different than three and four. Right? Exactly. Because yeah. I mean, one and two is a little bit what, longer uh, than three and four. Yeah, one and two is I can go wide open and because yeah, you can all, yeah you can go wide open. I mean, it's like. Because it's like three and four. I mean, I've just played it in video games. I'm sure it differs from actual, like, simulation racing. Because if you get down to, like, 135, 140 in those turns, then the other ones you can go, what, 160? And in one and two, I'm pushing 175. And in in three and four, I'm doing about, was it, 140? 50. Okay. So I was there. a little off, but I was still yeah. trying to... No, you're, there, there you're is doing a difference. Good. There is a difference between the speeds, and you can, like you say, you can run wide open in one and two. Exactly. So, uh, for the folks that don't know, J.R. Neal here is a, a goaltender, and uh, you got that coming up for you. How's that? I, I do. Yeah, well, we just concluded a summer league season. Fortunately, our team lost in the first round of the playoffs in overtime uh, to the one-seed team the mighty drunks (laughs) so we were the four seed and we lost in the first round um three to two um i just i felt like i had a strong game we were up two to nothing after the first period so and then about midway through the game they got one back and then they tied it with about six minutes to go took it to overtime played a couple of um Played a couple of shifts. They don't have the cake batter stuff. I'm batting a thousand tonight, aren't I? <laughs> but I already started with the vanilla, so you want a vanilla milkshake? Or do you want to add something else to it? I guess I'll take the vanilla, because, um, you know, he's already started that one, because I would have said chocolate, but... <laughs> okay, I can make chocolate. You sure? Yeah, I'll okay. just redo okay. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Thank you, man. Um, but, anywho... Um, yeah, so the playoff game, you know, it, it was a well fought. Our, our team played well, but just unfortunately, they uh, it was right after a, right after a faceoff draw. The puck, um, they won the faceoff draw, put it to their guy in the slot, but I was screened by not only our guy but their guy as well. So there's a lot of traffic, and it was a wrist shot, so I couldn't hear it, True. and it went right over my shoulder, and that was the game. But you no, know, new season coming up. It's going to be October. I want to say October. Third, second or third. It's the first Wednesday of that month is okay. when we're starting up the long, like twenty-two week season. That's the one that runs from October to April. Oh, wow. And I played in that um, league last year, and we also had a tough exit in the first round. And I believe we lost three to one. Okay. So we've been in a lot of close games. It'll be a similar lineup, but hopefully we can get some more additions to the team. Um, so we had issues goal scoring the second half of the season last year during the regular full. The, fall winter league so hopefully that'll you know have some momentum could you recruit guys yeah so we can basically like really like so when, when i came into that league we were kind of we were called the last men standing so it's kind of funny how that name came because that's literally what we were the guys that just signed up i signed up with one other friend my roommate connor and he's a good player and so we signed up and then there is about I would say 12 to 14 other guys, and then some guys wouldn't wouldn't show here and there. But if we can get some more players, I know Connor was looking to recruit some other guys. But if we can put together, and we can, I think we'll be a force to be reckoned with. Good in the season. Well, we all know that you are a brick wall and and that net. (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. It's you know it's 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 tough. You know, I 
some, I just try to do the best I can. You exactly. Know? Some will get by. It's guaranteed it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know? You're not going to stop every one of them. Yeah. But you can limit how many of those go in throughout. And I know you got the talent and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you were my goaltender when I was playing defense. I know damn well that you're good. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah, that was, a, that was an excellent tournament a couple years ago. I, I always like this quote. It's, I can't remember who said it, but it fits the description of goaltending perfectly. It's not about the saves you make. It's about the goals you give up. True. And, you know, I, that's probably the most profound statement ever it was you know it really hit it really hits the was it a goals against average that you want to make keep down or? yeah well probably goals against average you know, i mean because save percentage can be a little a little tricky because you can still have a high save percentage with a high goals against because that means your your team's giving up a lot of shots yeah so ideally i'd like to lower that goals against average i would say my save percentage this year is probably about 850 to 875 sure. in that range. So obviously, like your like professional goaltenders are going to be like 910 to 930. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the eight, at least 800 to 860. It's kind of tough to judge because we don't keep that statistic. But just how I can feel. You should personally keep them all. I, I would. I would like to. I mean, that's a lot to think about though in the game, trying to keep all the the, the you know all the saves <laughs> and stuff in your head. I, I used to keep track. Thank you, ma'am. I really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. I uh, I used to keep track of all that, but every time I had the like, 13, 13, 13, I had so many 13 place finishes. It's not even fun. That or DNF. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm alright. Yeah, it's the same thing. So I, you know, I wish they did have a scorekeeper. I mean, they have a timekeeper, but not, um, not somebody that actually keeps like statistics for goaltenders or players and stuff like that. So that would be an addition I'd like to see. See us have. Y'all on this podcast, I really wish. Here we go, part two. Uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there, but this we're just going to go ahead and consider this part two and the conclusion. Okay. Um, yeah, we could do that up there. We could do that. Okay, that works. Yeah, thank you. Um, oh, perfect. Um, so anyways, part two, uh, this will be our conclusion as well. Um, you know, we're, we're here in Mooresville, North Carolina, and I wanted to... to have Brendan himself tell the story because it don't get better than this, folks. When you tell us about the time at Gander Mountain with one famous NASCAR driver that we all love, a true American, a true good racing car, a legend, driver of the old number 22 Caterpillar uh, Dodge, Ward Burton. Ward Burton got to meet him finally. Um, I was at the old Gander Mountain last year, I think it was. And, around this time. Uh, yeah, around this time, actually. And he was out there shopping for for things. I don't remember what he was doing it for, but I remember he was doing it. And uh, I heard this voice in the old Gander Mountain there, and I was like, I know that voice. Who is that? So I looked to my left. There's old Warburton. <laughs> Lo and behold, it's yeah. Warburton. I was like, Mr. Burton, how are you, sir? You know, and I, I gave a good little... Um, Start off nice, you know, respectful, and we just sat and talked because you know, talk about what I do for a living and this and that, and it was pretty cool. And we came up this thing, and you know, I asked so him, he's, he's approachable. I mean, he's, he's very approachable, very nice guy. Oh yeah, and uh, I said, you know, I, I'm sorry, I regret to ask you this, but 
can I take a picture with you? And he says, yeah. And so I did. And um, I'll try to put that right here on this uh, <laughs> screen if you all can see it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so cool. And I'm, I'm very grateful. And he actually emailed me because uh, I gave him my business card. He actually emailed me for to see about helping with a fundraiser, but I didn't have the uh, merchandise to give him that he needed. So it I was for his up. like conservation, yeah. something yep. or another. Like, yeah, he, he, he does a lot of work. Um, I didn't post a, a video when I was in Virginia, so that's going to be this feature here is covering Virginia and North Carolina because Warburton actually he lives in Virginia. Yep. So that's our little factoid for. Virginia, Ward Burton's conservation. Exactly. I'm not sure exactly what part of the state he lives in. I think it's out east because I knew he used south? to be a politician. Right. For, for uh, Virginia. Right. So, yeah, so yeah. So that's, uh, that's a little interesting thing about Ward Burton. Not only is he a legendary race car driver, but he's a good uh, conservationist as well. And he's a farmer too. I mean, he has a lot of work. Oh, yeah. He has a lot of work. And so. his, um, his son, Jeb. Helps him out there at the conservation. Actually, um, you know, you can, actually, their their emails are on there on that website of theirs. I gotta get their website name, but right. you can actually get in touch with them. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I love. I, see, what I like about Ward Burton is he posts on Twitter and stuff that he uh, he'll actually like sign autographs. So if you have like a oh, thank you, ma'am. Thank you much. Was it good? Oh yes, ma'am. Very. Um, so if you have any Pause the video for a second, and uh, I devoured that. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It right. was really good. So we ended up making it a three-part show because we've had some slight disturbances. Um, probably should have figured that would have happened at Denny's you know, in a public place. Yeah. But no, um, you know, it, it's it's been a good evening. Uh, we had some good food, shared a few laughs, talked about old Ward Burton, a little racing, a little hockey. So I think this is a good little... Uh, and ourselves a good little podcast here, Brandon. Exactly. And, and video. So I think I appreciate you, you know, meeting me here is this kind of a tradition, I guess, yeah, so to speak. Just... We uh, we like to always do this stuff at this particular Denny's, you know, and, and I mentioned that. Can we get a shot at that, uh, that Earnhardt? Right quick, that Earnhardt picture down there. Let's see if I can do it. I'll take a little over there. Uh, Brendan's gonna go and grab us a uh, yeah a picture of this uh, Earnhardt Petty poster that I mentioned um, in a previous episode, and I absolutely love this picture. If I can find it at the randoms at Darlington, I would like to get it framed. I mean, it's pretty pretty dang awesome. Um, I'm not sure what speedway they're at. It looks like it's some super speedway. But it's the king in the Earnhardt, like I said, circa 1999, 1998. But uh, here comes Brendan, and he's got that for us. So. <laughs> okay. Oh wait, what am I doing? Yeah, put go. this back over here. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, we got that picture. We'll, we'll link that up there as well. Um, but no, what a. Oh, I just filmed it. And I said, Oh, oh Jr. Yeah. wants you to see this. Oh, okay, filmed even better. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, it's been a perfect evening like i said i appreciate you being on the podcast you're the first guest i'm very grateful and honored to be the first guest first guest on the show and i made it a point that you'd be on the on the show first um yeah because i've been on your channel before yep on on your channel actually when we went to the andrew griffith museum yeah uh, a couple nascar races too yeah good good stuff 
stuff that, we'll, that I like to talk about on this show, all of it's relevant. Your father is on my videos. He is. He is. We probably should get him on this podcast here eventually as well. That'd be good. Um, good guy. What's it? Uh, you know, it's funny. No one, the two of us, not one mention of John Wayne. How do we not mention how, John Wayne? How have we gone, what, 16, 17 minutes? Yeah, 17 then? minutes. And not John Wayne. Not one mention of John Wayne. That's blasphemy. <laughs> I don't know how we could do that. No, but the, you, uh, you're a big fan of the Duke. Mm-hmm. Big, huge Duke connoisseur right. as well as I am. I mean, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, if I wasn't for the Duke, I wouldn't be the man I am today. Yeah, I agree. I, I You know, I'm starting to form some true John Wayne values, and those are the best ones to have, you know. True grit. Exactly. You know, perseverance. You name it. I mean, he, the man's, he loves his country. You know, he'll do anything. And, and you know, he treats others with, with, with respect. Exactly. Unless they cross, unless they cross you. And then, exactly. And then there's some issues. So, okay, here we go. Here, perfect way to end this off. You just list, list us your top three John Wayne films from three being you know and then three two and then one Ooh, that's tough that's tough on the spot i can tell you the three john wayne movies i hate <laughs> well i i shouldn't say that hate to watch because he dies in them and i don't like when he dies no. <laughs> you know like the cowboys the cowboys is one of the greatest movies ever made but he dies and it's sad and i don't want him to die yeah <laughs> you know because he was killed in a cowardly way you know you know because the guy he, he was uh he was disarmed and uh, hit on the head with a rock, and then the idiot coward uh, <laughs> shoots him over ten times. Yeah. Well, actually, about six or seven. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't like that watching that part of the movie. Is it, Even if it's a wonderful special movie, I, I don't like it because I, I, it's that part. But I, I guess my top three, counting down from you know three to one, I would say uh, three would be McClintock. Yeah. Two would be, um, ooh, two, what would two be? Um, The Quiet Man, and I would say number one would be Rio Bravo. Okay. Quality. Quality list. Um, so I guess guess for me, my top three, I have this list down for a reason, but it's, it's tough because... (laughs) There's so many good ones. So I do have this listed here. Um, John Wayne Pictures. So here's... Yeah, we can't see that. That ain't going to work, but that's fine. So my top three. Now, it's so close because there's so many up there. But since you only had three, I'll go ahead with my three here. The Big Trail, 1930. The first ever one he was in. The first ever one he was in. But not this one did not succeed in box office, though. Which is odd, but I want to say maybe due to the time that this movie was released, due to the Depression, because that was about a year into that, into the Depression, so maybe that affected the release, I'm not sure, but that I loved that movie. He was very young, he was my age, so I think that's why that movie kind of resonated sure. with me, because he was 23 when he was filmed that, The Big Trail. Yeah. It wasn't until Stagecoach until he got no, when he got his recognition. That was in '39, um, yeah. and that's on my list as well for the top. That's in my top ten. But number two is a movie that I've seen probably over a hundred times. My one of my dad's favorite, and he's the reason why I like this movie so much. Is because I grew up watching it. The Green Berets, 1968, 
And this movie brought a lot of controversy. It shouldn't have, in my opinion, but it did due to the Hollywood at the time. They were very anti-Vietnam War like, and anti-really anybody who served. Not, not only were they anti-war, but they like hated, could not stand the people that served in the war because they were treated horribly upon their arrival, which is why I think there's always a special place for Vietnam veterans because not only did they go through hell just doing a job that they were asked to do whether you disagree or agree Mm -hmm. they came back and were just treated you know like dirt and that's just that's unacceptable and my number one film Sands of Iwo Jima 1949 the ending is probably the best well it's it's bittersweet he dies dies. it's bittersweet like you said bittersweet but Man, just a good quality film. The, the, the script is perfect. I mean, it's it's you know you see him battle. It's just constantly like, the tension because Stryker he knows what's best, but he's a little edgy because he's you know he's an alcoholic. He drinks a lot. He's an alcoholic. He's had some issues in his personal life. Yeah. But he, at the end, generally he he knows what's best for his men. But his men are kind of young, young bugs, stubborn, don't really listen to it. But finally get earned his respect. What, without a scabbard? <laughs> <laughs> I can't teach you one way, I'll teach you another. But we're going to get the job done. I love that. I love that. So good. Yeah. yeah so, there's, there's so many John Wayne movies out there. That so, he was the original singing cowboy. If you didn't know that, he was. And he couldn't stand it. Because he would, the, the, the film studio would make him do appearances. And all these little kids would ask him to sing. And he did not... Sing. He's not he, he very was, musically inclined. Well, he was voice dubbed in those movies, uh-huh. so it wasn't his voice. So every right. time that he would sing for these kids, they're like, "Who that?" <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not him. So he hated it. And if it wasn't for John Wayne, we would never have Gene Autry because Gene Autry right. took his place. Right. Yeah. So very interesting stuff. So well, you know, I think that'll just about conclude. Yeah, about to hit the old dusty trail. Yeah, about to hit the old dusty trail. So <laughs> and I appreciate it again, Brendan. I'm I'm, I'm the one who appreciates it. I'm very honored and grateful. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we cover some good stuff. And I, it'll be nice once we can once we post this on exactly. get this uh This video will be up, up tonight. Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely publish my Perfect. stuff on my end. So, you know, without further ado. I do have to... Uh, Edit the picture of old Warburton in there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, some little tune-ups here and there, but exactly. I think all in all, we, this is uh, this is good. We'll, this have, is good. we'll have more for sure in the future from old Denny's. From old Denny's. <laughs> I'll see y'all soon. See As for the J.R. Neal man cave, it's J.R. Neal signing off with our guest Brandon the Gent on YouTube, and uh, it was good talking to y'all. Yeah, signing off. <laughs>